الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات آمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that He has no partners. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. We would like to begin our lecture this evening, the seventh in our series of lectures concerning the explanation of the book of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi, Al-Imam Abu Ja'fa, Ahmed ibn Muhammad Al-Tahawi, Al-Aqeedah Al-Tahawiyyah. We left off last week finishing as I thought, the last point of the chapter which mainly concentrated on the uh, topic of Tawheed in its various aspects and particularly much emphasis was given to the topic of Al-Qadr Al-Qadr and uh, we would just like to uh, actually finish the last couple of points that are remaining on that topic and then begin this evening with the topic of the Prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Al-Imam Abu Ja'fa al-Tahawi rahimahullah in the last lecture we read where he said or where he wrote وَأَمْرَهُمْ بِطَاعَتِهِ وَنَهَاهُمْ عَنْ مَعَصِيَتِهِ that he has ordered them that is his creatures with obedience to obey him and he has prohibited them from disobedience uh, this point we discussed in some detail it shows that people are responsible to uh, know the commandments and prohibitions of Allah and to obey them then Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says وَكُلُّ شَيْءٍ يَجْرِي بِتَقْدِيرِهِ وَمَشِيَتِهِ وَمَشِيَتُهُ تَنْفُضُ that everything happens according to his taqdeer, his decree his fixed يعني, measurement and his will and his will is executed or accomplished or effective يعني, whatever he wills comes into being لا للعباد إلا ما شاء لهم. and the servants or the creatures of Allah have no will except what Allah wills for them يعني, they have no will except that Allah allowed them to have a will he created them he gave them will and he gave them choice and he gave them knowledge to choose as well as to the ability to execute their will فَمَا شَاءَ لَهُمْ كَانَ وَمَا لَمْ يَشَاءَ لَمْ يَكُنْ so whatever Allah willed it will be and whatever Allah did not will it will not be then he says يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَعْصِمُ وَيُعَافِي فَضْلًا وَيُضِلُّ 
may yasha wa yakhdilu wa yabtali adlan that Allah guides whomever he wills and he also protects them or keeps them safe from harm according to yani or out of his bounty and his favor and Allah also misleads or misguides whomever he wills he holds back his aid and withholds his guidance and he tests or tries or afflicts whomever he wills adlan justly uh this also we discussed in some detail that Allah is the one who guides or leads astray and it is according to his will whoever he guides it is from his bounty and favor and whoever he leads astray it is justice as we said that Allah doesn't lead anyone astray except that that person turns away and wants to go astray then Allah makes the way easy for them and directs them or helps them or makes open the way for them to that which they will and finally he said wa kulluhum yataqallabuna fi mashiatihi bayna fadlihi wa adlihi that all of the creatures are subject to his will uh, they are between in their actions in this world between his fadl his generosity favor or kindness and his adl his justice today we want to continue with this topic uh closing off this chapter with the final points here where imam at-tahawi says wa huwa muta'alin an al-adadad wal-andad that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is muta'alin he is very high free from whatever they attribute to him and here he specifically mentions that he is free from al-adadad yani dhidd opposites or opponents or opposition there's no opposition there's no opponent for allah and he is also high above and free from having any andad or nid and nid means that which is equal or similar or comparable so allah doesn't have any dhidd any opponent nor does he have any need any equal or anyone who is similar to him some of the scholars said adhid means al-mukhalif or al-mu'arid the one who opposes you or conflicts or contradicts you in whatever you do so there is no one who can oppose allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but whatever he wills will be and whatever he does not will will not be and they said that an nid is al mumathil or al mukafi that is that which is similar or equal to someone and allah has no equal no one who is equal or similar to him in any way the sheikh al khumais in his brief explanation of these words he says that verily allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is muta'alin mutanazzi that he is very high and he is far removed and free of there being any did anyone to oppose him or to be an opponent for him fi amrihi wa hukmihi wa khalqihi wa mulkihi yani he has no opponent fi amrihi in his command whatever he commands no one can oppose him 
وَفِي حُكْمِهِ When he makes a judgment, no one can oppose it. وَفِي خَلْقِهِ In his creation. When he creates something, no one can oppose it or do anything contrary to it. وَفِي مُلْقِهِ In his sovereignty or his ownership or control over the universe, over his kingdom. There is no opponent for him in his kingdom. And also he has no nid, no equal or similar in these things, no one is equal to him or similar to him in his command, in his judgment, in his creation, or in his kingdom. As well, there is no one or nothing equal to him in his names and divine qualities. And in the names of Allah, there is no one who is entitled to those perfect names equally as Allah is entitled to them or in his characteristics or qualities of perfection. On the contrary, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as he says in the Qur'an in Surah Shura, chapter 42, verse 11, Laysa That there is nothing similar or like him, and he is the all-hearing, the all-seeing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says similarly, similarly in Surah Al-Ikhlas, Chapter 112, verse 4 That there is no one that is that is equal or similar or like Allah in any way. Then he says, finally, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 22 لا تجعلوا لله اندادا وانتم تعلمون لا تجعلوا this is a prohibition لا تجعلوا لله اندادا don't make any nid or any andad equals to Allah don't do such this is a prohibition وانتم تعلمون while you know how can you equate something to Allah while you know while you know what while you know that there is nothing equal to Allah this ayah is of importance to us, not only for the point that Imam al-Tahawi mentions here, but also as a reminder to us of the importance of recognizing and acknowledging in practice in our lives the fact that there is nothing equal to Allah. And also this is a proof that we may use in our discussions with the Muslims who are astray, who are worshipping something other than Allah out of ignorance, or the non-Muslims who want to believe that there's two gods or three gods or many gods, however many they have. This ayah, وَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ is the end of a very great statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, which he addressed to all mankind. Here in this ayah he didn't say, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أو you who believe, but he said, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ O oh people, Ya ayyuhan nas, u'budu rabbakum alladhi khalaqakum waladheena min qablikum la'allakum tattakum. O people, O oh mankind, worship your Lord. This is a command. U'budu rabbakum. Worship your Lord. Here is a command, and in the end of the ayah, wala taj'alu, fala taj'alu lillahi andadan, is a prohibition. Here is the command to worship Allah. And in the end is the prohibition of making anyone equal to Allah. Why should we worship Allah? He said, Rabbakum. 
Worship your Lord Rabbakum, Alladhi Khalaqakum, who created you, Walladheena min qablikum, and those before you. He also created those before you. La'allakum tattaqoon. Perhaps it is hoped, inshallah, that by worshipping Allah you will achieve a taqwa, righteousness or piety or God consciousness. Then he says in the next ayat, finishing his argument why you should worship Allah, Alladhi ja'ala lakumul arda, who has made for you the earth, firashan as a bedding or a place that you live upon and he has made the heavens above you as a canopy or a roof over your head and he has sent down from the clouds or from the heavens water and he has then brought forth from the earth with that water he has brought forth from the earth fruits as a sustenance for you after all of these things, after mentioning that Allah has created you and those before you, and He has made the earth as a resting place for you, and the heavens as a roof over your head, and sent down water from the clouds, and brought forth fruits from the earth as a sustenance for you, then He says, Therefore, فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ So don't make something as an equal with Allah while you know. Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi gives a long discussion about these, about these two ayats but let me just get to the يعني, essence of the point which we want to mention here he says فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا that is don't make anyone as, or anything as a nid an equal something similar or like Allah مِنَ الْمَخْلُوقِينَ from the created things from the creatures don't take anything from that which is created and make it as an equal with Allah Worshipping those things or those people like you worship Allah or loving them like you love Allah while those creatures, those people or those things they are similar to you they are not like Allah, they are just like you they are makhluk, they are created they are marzuk, they are provided for they cannot provide for themselves, they cannot create themselves but they are created just like you are created they are provided for just like you are provided for and they are under the control or the supervision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just like you are they are la yamlikuna mithqala dharra fil ard wa la fil sama they don't own or control even the weight of an atom or a small ant or anything smaller than that in the earth nor in the heavens wa la yanfa'unakum وَلَا يَضُرُّونَ And they cannot give you any benefit or cause you any harm. Whatever it is in the creation, this is the description of everything in the creation, that it is created, it is provided for, it is supervised, it is controlled, it doesn't own anything, it doesn't have any ability to give benefit or to cause harm. So don't make any of those things that are just like you, they are not like Allah, don't make them as an equal to Allah. وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ While you know, that is, you know that Allah does not have any partner, no one equal to him, not in his act of creation, nor in his act of providing, nor in his act of controlling the universe, nor in his perfect divinity. So how can you worship other gods along with him while you know that? This is of the most ajeeb or amazing of amazing things and the height of stupidity 
that you can worship something that is in no way equal to Allah but it is like you or perhaps that which some of the people are worshipping is less than themselves yani the, the, the idols the stone or wood carvings that people worship is not even equal to them it has no mind as Ibrahim salam said to them when they said to him did you break the idol he said ask the big one if they speak if they can speak ask him if they can speak but people realize that they were stupid how are we worshiping something not even equal to us here in these ayats Allah has joined or combined the command to worship him alone and the prohibition of worshiping anything besides him and he has brought clear and powerful proofs of the obligation of worshiping him since he is the only one who creates and provides and protects and gives life and death and gives is the one who can give benefit or cause harm and he has also here shown the falsehood of the worship of anything besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so Allah he doesn't have any al-dadad opponents nor any andad nor anyone or anything equal to him and therefore nothing should be worshipped like him acts of worship or love or devotion or obedience or whatever it should be for Allah alone then in Imam al-Tahawi says point number 27 وَلَا رَادَ لِقَضَائِهِ وَلَا مُعَقِّبَ لِحُكْمِهِ وَلَا غَالِبَ لِأَمْرِهِ يعني also Allah in reference to his qada his يعني execution of that which he decreed لا راد there is no one who can reject or repel or change the decree that Allah has set into motion that he has executed وَلَا مُعَقِّبَ لحكمه and there is no one who can delay or postpone his ruling or judgment once he has ruled or judged there is no one who can reject it there is no one who can delay it ولا غالب لأمره and there is no one who can overpower or predominate or overcome his command when he has commanded something in reference to the qada the decrees of Allah which he set and then he executes the shaykh he says وَهُوَ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى إِذَا قَضَى أَمْرًا أَوْجَدَهُ وَأَنْفَذَهُ يعني if Allah decrees a matter then he brings it into existence or he executes it even if everything in the creation all together came together joined together to bring about any benefit while Allah is withholding it they would never be able to do it or if they tried to prevent any harm while Allah intends or wants that harm to befall someone they have no way to bring about any good or to prevent any harm when Allah has decreed something yani harm and good benefit or otherwise it is all by Allah's qadr wal qadha and Allah has power over everything as Allah says in the Quran in Surah Al-An'am chapter 6 verse 17 وَإِيَّمْسَسْقَ اللَّهُ بِضَرٍ That if Allah touches you with some harm فَلَا كَاشِفَ لَهُ إِلَّا هُوَ Then there is no one who can remove that harm from you except Him, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَإِيَّمْسَسْقَ بِخَيْرٍ فَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ And if He brings any good to you then He is the one who does who has the ability or the power to do whatever he wills and he has the power over everything and also Allah says in the Quran in Surah Al-Fatir 
chapter 35 verse 2 مَا يَفْتَحِ اللَّهُ لِلنَّاسِ مِنْ رَحْمَةٍ فَلَا مُمْسِكَ لَهَا يعني whatever Allah when he opens the way for rahmah, for good for some good to come to the people فَلَا مُمْسِكَ لَهَا no one can hold it back or prevent it وَمَا يُمْسِكْ فَلَا مُرْسِلَ لَهُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ and whatever Allah holds back then there's no one who can give it يعني, or who can release it من بعده, after him whatever Allah يعني, wills it will be concerning his hukum or his ruling or judgment if Allah rules a certain matter then his ruling is executed يعني, it is done there is no way that anything can delay it or postpone it and Allah says in the Quran in Surah Al-Ra'ad Chapter 13, verse 41 وَاللَّهُ يَحْكُمُ لَا مُعَقِّبَ لِحُكْمِهِ That when Allah judges, or Allah, He judges Then there is no one that can postpone or delay or push back His judgment وَهُوَ السَّرِيعُ الْحِسَابِ And Allah is quick or swift in reckoning Also, in reference to his command, yani when Allah commands something, if Allah commands any matter, then his command is executed. There is no one that can overcome or overpower in order to prevent his command from being executed. As Allah says in Surah Yusuf, chapter 12, verse 21, Wallahu ghalib, Wallahu ghalibun ala amrihi. وَلَكِنْ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ That Allah has full power. Who is the ghalib, the one who overcomes or predominates. He has full power and control عَلَى أَمْرِهِ Over his affair, his matter, his command. But most of the people do not know. Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir rahimahullah says concerning this ayah وَاللَّهُ غَالِبٌ عَلَى أَمْرِهِ that Allah has full power and control over his matter. He said that whenever Allah wants something, there's no one that can repulse it. There's no one that can prevent it. But Allah, he is Al-Ghalib, the one who overcomes everything or everyone besides him. He is the one who does whatever he wills. And also, some of the scholars said concerning this ayah, that Allah's command is executed. There's no one that can... Uh, nullify it and there is no one that can prevent it and other of the scholars said that Allah is the ghalibun al-ghalib ala amrihi it means that Allah is qawi he is strong and he is qadir he is powerful to execute his command of whatever he wills and there is nothing that can prevent him from anything yani whatever Allah wills there is no one or nothing that can stop it and finally, in Surah Yasin, chapter 36, verse 82, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, إِنَّمَا أَمْرُهُ إِذَا أَرَادَ شَيْئًا أَنْ يَقُولُ لَهُ أَنْ يَقُولَ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ يعني whenever Allah, إِنَّمَا أَمْرُهُ His affair or His matter, إذا أَرَادَ شَيْئًا When He wills something, أَنْ يَقُولَ لَهُ is simply for Him to say about that thing that He wills or He wants, كُنْ be, then it will be. 
Yani it is simple. Allah's command only requires a word, kun. Whatever He commands something, He says kun, and it is. It comes into being as Allah commanded it to be. So Allah is free from uh, having any opponent or anyone to contradict or conflict with Him. There is no one equal or similar to Him, and there is no one that can reject His ruling or His judgment or his decree, nor can it be delayed, nor can it be overcome. Then Imam Tahawi says, about all of these things that preceded that we have discussed in the past weeks, point number 28, We have believed in that, كُلِّهِ, all of it, we believe, we have iman in all of these things, and we are certain without doubt that everything is with Allah from Allah Allah has power or control over everything uh, I noticed today when I was looking through the translation of Al-Aqidah uh, Tahawiyah that uh, one of the translators I think the copy that we have he says that we have complete faith in him we believe that everything happens due to him uh, this is yeah, I mean, not really an accurate translation. We have complete faith in Him. And that's why I said in the beginning that we should follow the book as we go along to correct some of the mistakes. Although I have not been uh, mentioning them, but if anyone was following closely, they would have seen that sometimes I have translated the statements of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi completely different than the translator. Here, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says, Amanna bidhalika kudlihi that we believe in that, all of it. We believe in that, in those things that have been mentioned up until this point. And the translator says, we have complete faith in Him, in Allah. We do have complete, complete faith in Allah, but not, this is not the statement of Imam Tahawi here, but he's saying we have faith, or we have complete faith, or we believe in all of those things that have been mentioned. وَأَيْقَنَّا And we have total confidence and conviction and certainty that everything is from Allah. And is that every, everything happens due to him, or everything happens according to what he has decreed. Al-Iman, there is a difference between Iman, faith or belief and certainty. And some of the scholars, or most of the scholars of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah said that Al-Iman means tasdiq It means to confirm the truthfulness of something. If, you, if someone says something and you believe them, Linguistically in Arabic language, it means that you believed, yani you can say that you believed in what they said. You affirm the truthfulness of it. That's the linguistic meaning of, of Iman, tasdiq, to affirm the truthfulness of something. And that is similar to the statement that Allah narrates in the Quran from the mouth of the brothers of the Prophet Yusuf they said in Surah to Yusuf as Allah narrates it to us وَمَا أَنْتَ بِمُؤْمِنْ لَنَا وَلَوْ كُنَّا صَادِقِينَ yani they said to their father وَمَا أَنْتَ بِمُؤْمِنْ لَنَا you are not a believer in us meaning you don't believe what we say you are not affirming not that he believed in them like you believe in Allah no here the meaning of mu'min it means musaddiq to make tasdeeq, to affirm the truthfulness. They said, you do not believe, you do not affirm the truthfulness of what we're saying, 
Even if we were really telling the truth, you do not believe in it. You do not affirm its truthfulness. This is the linguistic meaning of Iman, but the technical meaning in religious terminology of Iman, as we said previously, uh, and that's the meaning that we mean here, Amanna bidalika kullihi, that we have Iman, not just affirming it, but also يعني, believing it as a part of our deen, as our religious code. It means, Al Iman means. قَوْلٌ بِالْلِسَانِ يعني speech that you say on your tongue you testify to that which you have iman in وَإِقْرَارٌ بِالْجَنَانِ and you يعني are convicted of it in your heart وَعَمَلٌ بِالْأَرْكَانِ and you practice it يعني by your actions by your body parts and that iman يَزِيد وينقص it increases and decreases it increases with ta'a obedience and decreases with ma'asiyah or disobedience and as for iqan, or having certainty, it is when someone يعني, has a feeling within themselves, uh, يعني, they realize and are certain about something. يعني, there's no doubt, they are convinced completely of that thing we say, يعني, that that person has yaqeen, or iqan, or aqan. So he said, we believe in that, all of what has been mentioned previously, and we have certainty that everything is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Imam al-Ta'awi goes on to the topic of the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he says, point number 29, وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ الْمُصْطَفَى وَنَبِيُّهُ الْمُجْتَبَى وَرَسُولُهُ الْمُرْتَضَى We believe with certainty that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is Abduhu al-Mustafa he is the servant the chosen servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the slave of Allah and he is the prophet whom Allah has selected from the people as, as the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned that he was selected yani that his uh, that Allah looked in the, in the nations of the earth and selected from them a people and from amongst them a tribe and from amongst them he selected uh, an individual to be his final prophet and messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. and he is also Rasuluhu al-Murtaba that is he is his messenger with whom he is well pleased yani he is the messenger that Allah is very completely pleased with so these three descriptions are uh, rightly attributed to the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, that he is the Abd of Allah and he is the Nabi of Allah and he is the Rasul of Allah not any Abd or slave but he is the chosen slave of Allah and he is the selected Prophet of Allah and he is the يعني, messenger that Allah is pleased with يعني, the final messenger, the last and the best of the Prophets and messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, here the Shaykh Al-Khumis says that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this name Muhammad is the most famous of his noble names the most famous of them we know that he is mentioned in the Injil as Ahmed and that's also one of his names but the most famous of his names is Muhammad and that is due to the fact that there are so many noble characteristics included in this name and that he himself possessed these qualities and characteristics 
for which he is praised. This name Muhammad means the one that is praised much. And he also praises Allah much. He is Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib ibn Hashim. That is, he is Muhammad, the son of Abdullah, the son of Abdul Muttalib, the son of Hashim, and he is from the tribe of Quraysh, which was the best of the tribes of the Arabs, according to their genealogy or lineage, as well as their status and position of importance amongst the Arab people. As well, his lineage is the most deeply rooted and it is authentically recorded that his lineage uh, goes back to the Prophet Ibrahim Here the Shaykh he says concerning the first characteristic Abd or Ubudiyah he describes him as the Abd of Allah as well as the Nabi and Rasul he says Al-Ubudiyah it is the most honorable position for any human being Al-Ubudiyah slavery servitude when it is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani there is no more honorable description that someone can be described with than to say that someone is the abd of Allah. And for this reason, in the best places and in the most important places in the Quran, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has been described by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as abd. And he says in Surah Al-Isra, chapter 17, verse 1, Subhanallahi asra bi'abdihi. Yani when Allah described the uh, journey of the Prophet ﷺ uh, from Mecca to Jerusalem, the Isra, he described himself. Allah said, Subhana, yani declaring himself being free from any defect and any shortcoming or whatever they have attributed to him Subhanallahi, the one that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alladhi asra bi'abdihi who has taken his servant, his slave on the night journey from Mecca to Jerusalem and in another place in the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 23 when the Prophet was calling on Allah and the jinn when they heard him praying to Allah came and surrounded him and crowded around him Allah described him in this case also the case when the jinn came to the Prophet ﷺ and they believed in him and they went back to their people and called their people to believe in him and they said a message has been revealed a revelation has come down like the revelation that came before to the Prophet Musa ﷺ. in this verse Allah describes this incident of the coming and the crowding around him of the jinn he said وَإِن كُنْتُمْ uh, I'm sorry, this is not in Surah Al-Baqarah, it's in Surah Al-Jinn, chapter 72, verse 19. That verily, when Abdullah, the slave of Allah, also the ayats in the Quran which confirm, yani, here, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi said that one of the titles of the Prophet is Habib al-Rabbil Alameen. Uh, but it is more preferable to say that he is the Khalil because this title Khalil is higher than the title of Habib or the Beloved as Allah says in the Quran about the believers 
Wallahu yuhibbu al-muhsinin That Allah loves those who are good Who do good, who do ihsan uh, In Surah Ali Imran chapter 3 verse 134 And in the same chapter verse 76 فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُتَّقِينَ That verily Allah loves the people of taqwa And in Surah Al-Baqarah verse 222 إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ التَّوَّابِينَ That Allah loves those who turn to Him continuously with tawbah وَيُحِبُّ الْمُتَطَحِرِينَ And He loves those who purify themselves or who keep themselves pure so that in fact it is better and preferable that the Prophet ﷺ is more entitled to the title of Khalil more so يعني, than Habib. Sheikh al-Albani comments here <coughs> saying that he is the Khalil Yani that the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu is the Khalil of the Lord of the Worlds because Al-Khulla, this characteristic is higher than the level of Al-Mahabba being loved and it is more perfect than it and for that reason the Prophet Sallallahu didn't say that he is the Habib of Allah but he said that Allah has taken me as a Khalil just as he has taken Ibrahim as a Khalil <coughs> There's enough time for the next point. Mm. Now, okay, uh, there's still 31, 32. <coughs> there's still, still, still two points remaining on this topic, inshallah. Perhaps we may be able to complete them. Then, Al Imam Al Tahawi says, point number 31. وَكُلُّ دَعْوَى النُّبُوَّةِ بَعْدَهُ فَغَيٌّ وَهَوَى That everyone who claims prophethood after Muhammad ﷺ فَغَيٌّ Then this is غَيٌّ يعني false A false claim وَهَوَى And it is only the following of their desires يعني whoever claims prophethood after Muhammad ﷺ Then the only reason for such is that that person is following their desires or they are astray, they have deviated because obviously they have no proof for such claim their claim is false, batil uh, when it is known that Muhammad is the khatim and nabiyin, the seal of the prophets then from that it also becomes known that whoever claims prophethood after him is a liar if in fact he is the seal of the prophets, then as Allah said in the Quran that he is the seal of the prophets, he is not the father of any one of you. Walakin, but he is the khatim and nabiyin. Yani, then this means that there cannot be any prophet after him. So every claim to prophethood after Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is astray, is misguidance, it is deviation, it is following of desires, it is falsehood. Whoever makes such a claim to prophethood for themselves or for someone else, they claim that someone else is a prophet, as did Elijah Muhammad in America and Ghulam Ahmed in India and so many others in the earlier generations, and no doubt some will come in our time or in the future, 
until Yom Qiyamah. Whoever makes such a claim of prophethood for themselves or for someone else, then they have disbelieved. Whoever believes in the claim of someone who claims such, whoever believes their claim, they have disbelieved. Whoever doubts that claim, they are not sure is it a true claim or not, they have disbelieved. Because the believer knows, believes and is certain that there is no prophet after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Perhaps some people may claim prophethood falsely and they might even do some convincing acts, something that appears to be miracles or strange yani, feats. And due to that they may get many followers, as did Ghulam Ahmed. He had thousands of followers, maybe millions. Elijah Muhammad in America had thousands of followers. But at the same time, Allah will show clearly that their claim is false and they would never be able to completely convince all of the people. Allah will show that their claim is false and would cause them to fail. Because after Allah said that Muhammad وسلم, is the last, the final prophet, the seal of the prophet, then it's not possible that anyone can come as a true prophet after him. This would يعني, show or this would يعني, prove the falsehood of the words of Allah and this is not possible. The Shaykh al-Albani comments on this point with a long commentary but it's worth reading insha'Allah. I hope that my eyes will be able to see it. <laughs> Small print. He says that the Prophet Muhammad has informed his ummah and has advised them and warned them in many authentic hadith that they would come after him false prophets. Many of them. And he said in an authentic narration, Kulluhum yaz'amu annahu nabi. وَأَنَا خَاتِمُ النَّبِيِّينَ That every one of them would claim to be a prophet while I am the seal of the prophets. لَا نَبِي There is no prophet after me. These words are too clear for there to be doubt in the mind of any Muslim. And he said that they are going to come after him. They would claim to be a prophet. وَأَنَا خَاتِمُ النَّبِيِّينَ وَلَا نَبِي While I am the seal of the prophets and there is no prophet after me. This is reported by in a Muslim and others. Uh, and these false prophets, from amongst them is this uh, Ghulam Ahmed, the Qadiani, who claimed prophethood and had many followers all over India, even in Germany, England and America. And they had masjids. As I know in America, about 30 or 40 years ago, they had masjids almost in every major city in America. They were leading the Muslims astray. They were even in Syria. There were some of their members, Shaykh al-Albani says, in Syria when he was there. But now they are almost extinct. Alhamdulillah, Allah has cut them off. And they have many strange beliefs. Not only the belief in prophethood after Muhammad wasallam. And in many of these strange beliefs, they have a predecessor in Ibn Arabi. Ibn Arabi, the Sufi, and they have an essay or a book 
in which they have compiled many of the sayings of Ibn Arabi which strengthen and confirm their strange beliefs. Yani he said the same things. Therefore the Mashaykh, yani the Sufi Shaykhs in Syria were unable to refute them because they were using as a basis for their arguments the saying of Ibn Arabi. And Ibn Arabi is the Shaykh or the Imam of the Sufis. So the Sufi Shaykhs in Syria, when they made such claims, couldn't refute them because they were using as proofs their leader and their Imam supporting what they were saying. Even though the Sufi Shaykhs were declaring the Kufr of the Qadianis, at the same time they couldn't argue with them because they were using as proofs for what they are saying the sayings of the, of the leader of the Sufis. There is no time to mention here their beliefs but there is a book called Qadianiyat an analytical survey in which one of the great scholars of our time has compiled many of the beliefs and practices of the Qadianis and from amongst them after their belief in Prophethood after Muhammad Sallallahu is their disregard and disrespect for the companions of the Prophet and even uh, speaking harshly against them declaring the falsehood of jihad that jihad is not legislated and so many other things that they believed in one of the things that they also believe that he mentions here one of their most famous beliefs is their claim to the death of the Prophet Isa that he is dead, that he was killed and after they are able to convince someone that he is dead then they go on to prove that the return of Jesus that is going to happen but it's not going to be that Jesus who died but there's going to be a new one and that's Ghulam Ahmed, their leader so they also have this belief that Jesus, that Isa died Although the Quran confirms and the Sunnah of the Prophet confirms that he was taken up to Allah in body and soul and that he would descend in the last days and he would live on this earth and he would die a natural death after living amongst the Muslims. Uh, there's one point remaining, I don't know if there's a chance to cover it completely but maybe in brief. The last point that the Shaykh mentions here concerning the Prophet of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Point number thirty-two. Uh, بالحق والهدى with the truth and the guidance وبالنور والضياء with light and ضياء ما أدري ضياء is greater is more than light يعني light and more light or whatever uh, he says that he is sent to all of the jinns and all of mankind with the truth uh, that the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he, he is the greatest of the prophets and his message is to is to both uh, creatures Al-Saqalain, the jinn and the men uh, Every prophet before him was sent to his own people exclusively But as for Muhammad wasallam, He is sent to all of the creation, man and jinn As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says In uh, Surah Al-Anbiya chapter 21 verse 108 
and we have not sent you except as a mercy to all of the worlds. And the Prophet said in authentic hadith that is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Jabir ibn Abdullah The previous Prophet was Prophets were only sent to their people خاصةً, exclusively to their people وَبُعِثْتُ إِلَى النَّاسِ عَامَةً But I have been sent to the generality or all of mankind Is that Adhan? Let us just hold a minute for the Adhan uh, This is the last point we are finishing now Just take a few moments, maybe five minutes uh, the Shaykh Al Khumayis was explaining in his uh, on this uh, on this point that uh, the saying of the Prophet وسلم, as reported in Al Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Jabir ibn Abdullah, وكان النبي يبعث إلى قومه خاصة وبعثت إلى الناس عامة that the prophets of the past they were sent specifically and exclusively to their people. But I have been sent to all of mankind, Amatin, yani to the whole of humanity. And also, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent him with the truth and the guidance. This is Bil Haq wal Huda. This is as mentioned in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al Saf, chapter 61, verse 9. Huwa that Allah, He is the one who has sent His Messenger, Bil Huda, the guidance with the guidance, Wadin al Haq, and the religion of truth, Liyudhirahu, Aladdini Kulli, to make it to overcome all religions or all ways of life, Walau Karihal Mushrikun, even though the pagan disbelievers may dislike it, detest it, or hate it. And in this ayah also is a proof that no other religion is accepted after the coming of Muhammad No other sharia, even of the previous prophets, are accepted. Whether it came from a prophet or any way of life or belief or system that came from other than a prophet, all are included in this saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has sent his messenger with the religion of truth with the guidance of the religion of truth لِيُذْهِرُهُ عَلَى الدِّينِ كُلِّهِ يعني to make it to overcome and to be superior and to remove and to replace الدِّينِ كُلِّهِ every way of life or every يعني philosophy or belief or whatever even though the pagan disbelievers may not like it uh, and also that Allah has sent him bin Nur al Hadi yani with the guiding light to the right way as Allah says in the Quran in Surah Al-Ma'idah chapter 5 verse 15 قَدَ جَاءَكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ نُورٌ وَكِتَابٌ مُبِينٌ that there has come to you from Allah Nurun, a light وَكِتَابٌ مُبِينٌ and a clear book so the Quran it is the light the guiding light it is the healing for the human beings for whatever conditions they may have to improve our condition and to correct our problems. Finally, Shaykh al-Albani 
mentions a commentary concerning this point. He said that of the strange beliefs or deviations of the Qadiani is their negation or denial of the existence of jinn. Yani they deny that the jinn is a creation other than the human beings and they re-explain and give some strange interpretation to all of the ayats of Qur'an or the authentic hadith of the Prophet ﷺ which clearly mention the existence of jinn as a distinct creation, distinct from the human beings as a separate creation, separate from the human beings they reinterpret all of these verses of Qur'an and hadith uh, and try to explain that the jinn is, some other, is, a, is a type of human being or a group from the human beings uh, yani foreigners or savages or people in the jungle or some interpretations uh, and even they go so far as to say that Iblis himself is an evil human being that Iblis is just the evil human being and the strange thing or the amazing thing is not only the Qadianis believe such but if you examine the commentary of Yusuf Ali you will find in every place where the jinn is mentioned you will find him making some strange commentaries uh, leaving the people in total confusion as to what is jinn even he himself seems to be confused uh, perhaps he didn't know but we should be warned from the translation of Yusuf Ali it has many errors in the translation as well as errors in his commentary particularly and one of them is his commentary on the jinn if you will go and check the verses about jinn you will see how he gives his own commentary that has no basis from the Quran or from the Sunnah may Allah protect us from deviation and misguidance and falsehood and may he make clear in our hearts and our minds the truth and the right way may he make us firm and strong on as-sirat al-mustaqim and may he make clear for us the al-aqidah al-islamiyah al-sahiha the correct islamic beliefs and may he make us to be from amongst those who call to this way and to these beliefs that we may stand up for the truth and that we may practice it in our lives uh, and grant us success to reach the destination and to die on this path subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك if there are any questions from the sisters or from the brothers uh, maybe we can take five minutes أبدا نعم نعم he is a prophet no doubt but he will not be a leader amongst the uh, the prophet Isa عليه السلام when he returns as Allah willed it to be and decreed it to be and the Prophet ﷺ informed us uh, he will return, he is the Prophet no doubt he is one of the chosen, selected Prophets one of the uh, yani foremost Ulul Azm the five Prophets of firm determination that were greater than the other Prophets that Allah has given superiority to them but even when he came amongst the Muslims when Allah sent him back to the earth and he came amongst the Muslims he didn't even lead the Muslims in prayer he said that the leading of the prayer is something special for the Ummah of Muhammad and he refrained from leading even the Muslims in prayer but uh, his role is mentioned in the Sunnah more than in any other place that he will uh, destroy the cross 
and kill the swine and he will foremost more than anything else he will refute uh, the claims of the Christians to believing in him and their false teachings and how they deviated from what the message that he brought and they and he called people to this deviation in his name so he will refute them and show that that which they are believing in and that which they are following and that which they are calling to is not from him and that it is falsehood uh, and then he will die a natural death and perhaps this topic will come uh, I am not sure if it doesn't come here in Al-Aqidah Al-Tahawiyah then further on there is more discussion about the prophets about the prophet Ibrahim السلام, and about the prophet Musa um, perhaps there may be uh, a chance to comment on this in more detail concerning the other prophets and their prophethood outside of the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Naam ya. Naam. Is it true that there is a reviver in every century? It is true. Uh, and basically, it is authentically reported in the Sunan of Abu Dawood. The Prophet sallallahu said that a mujaddid would be sent at the head of every century and at the head of every century, every 100 years a mujaddid would come who would revive renew and correct and rectify the beliefs and practices of the Muslims where they have deviated from the sunnah and from the correct aqidah it is authentically reported from the Prophet and it is true, there is no doubt about it and those uh, revivers or Mujaddid came in the past centuries, so many of them not all of them are equal some of them are more outstanding more recognizable and noticeable than others but they came and they will continue to come until Yawm Al-Qiyamah at the beginning or at the head of every 100 years or every century at least in every 100 years there would be a reviver who would revive and he called the people back to the correct way um, and show the people the correct beliefs in our time I don't know if there is someone now that we can say is a mujaddid but, but normally most of the time the mujaddid is someone that did his work and after his death the people examined his life and his works his revival of the deen and calling the people back and they acknowledge him although there were some even in their lifetime who claimed such in our time now, there is Warthuddin Muhammad in America, he claims to be a mujaddid. Uh, but he is a false mujaddid. <laughs> but even some of the scholars of the Muslims in the earlier generations, there were some even in their lifetime, Al-Imam Al-Suyuti. Uh, it is said that he claimed to be a mujaddid and he was a great scholar who did do a great work and wrote so many books of hadith and fiqh and other subjects, tafsir. Um, but normally the mujaddid is someone who does his work without claiming to be a mujaddid and after his death the people may examine his works later and see that he did such a work and they may attribute to him such a title Naam the congregation in Bangladesh? Yeah. Oh, the, the, the meeting that takes place, the Ijtima. 
I don't know, what do you mean? Does it have anything to do with uh, Mujaddid? Maybe No, no, no. I don't think those people claim that their leader, that their emir of their group is a Mujaddid. I don't think they claim such. Uh, I don't think that the, that the emir himself, their leader, the leader of such groups, I don't think they will claim to be a Mujaddid. Because they are not really doing uh, the type of work that entitles someone to claim to be a Mujaddid. They are just normally yeah, organizing their people and trying to encourage them to give da'wah and to worship, you know, to pray and things like that. But a Mujaddid, that's the normal work of any Muslim. You and I are doing such. We are calling people to prayer and calling people to worship and calling people to learn the deen and encouraging people to give da'wah. That's not, uh, we don't claim that such a person if you mean because of the large numbers of people that come there, I don't think it's, it has anything to do with the man who is the leader of that group, that the large numbers are coming because of him. Not so. Not so. But it is part, one of the features of their group that they make big gatherings. That's just a special feature of their group, that they attract large numbers of people, no matter who is the leader at that time. The emir, who may be the leader now, he is not permanently the leader. And they have large numbers of people, no matter who may be the leader. And usually the largest numbers of people are the gathering in Bangladesh. And large numbers also are in Pakistan or in India. Because in those countries, the people are commonly known to gather in large numbers. Even the Hindus, when they gather, they gather in large numbers. Yani not only for the, this group, or not only for Muslims, but normally the people in those countries, in the Indian subcontinent, and particularly in Bangladesh, Whenever there is a meeting of people, there are large numbers. And that's ordinary. But large numbers is not an indication of يعني, someone being a mujaddid or being a real correct imam or leader or anything. Because uh, Louis Farrakhan in America was able to collect almost one million people in a march on Washington. And he is a kafir, a mushrik, who is not even a Muslim. In the name of Islam, he collected almost one million people. So if large numbers is a proof of anything, then maybe he should also be examined and considered as a candidate to be a mujaddid. A mujaddid of falsehood. <laughs> Any other question or comment or correction? Tayyip, we should... Naam, uh, Fadl The next one is Shifab. He is the Prophet and Messenger, no doubt. Isa? Isa brought a Sharia. Sure, he, the, there was a revelation given to him, and a Sharia was given to him. No, he didn't just confirm that, that which was before him. It's very clear in the Quran, as well as in what remains of the scriptures of the Christians and Jews, and that he came with new laws. This was the problem with the Jews. They were saying, you are coming with new laws, you are changing the religion. They didn't want to accept it. He was changing things. So they didn't want to accept him for this reason. But in any case, the difference between a prophet and a messenger, a nabi and a rasul, this is not something that's confirmed by revelation, by Quran or sunnah. But this is ijtihad of some of the scholars. They have different opinions about what is the difference between a nabi and a rasul. But maybe the closest to being correct is the opinion of those scholars who said that a rasul is one who comes with a new sharia, a new law. And that a Nabi, a Prophet, is one who comes to confirm the previous law and he only implements 
or continues to implement the law of the previous prophet. That's a ijtihad. We're not saying that that's a definite truth. That's a ijtihad of scholars and it seems to be the closest opinion to that, that which is correct. And Allah knows best. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik.